the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. Our special guest today is Ben Dixon. He's the senior pastor at Northwest Church in Federal Way. And we had an opportunity last week to hear part one of Ben's story. And Ben, here we are at part two. I'm glad to be back. (laughs) You grew up in the Juanita area here in the Seattle area. Went to school here and uh, met your wife, Bridget. A couple of boys uh, from uh, as part of a blended family. I didn't ask you uh, more kids after that. We had two more children. Yep, together. Two two more after that. So you've got four children now. Ages. Uh, our youngest is 13 and 11, uh-huh. and the older ones are 26 and 24. Right, and one's in ministry as a youth pastor. And Ben, I'd love for you to talk about transitioning, and uh, you and I were talking about hearing the voice of God. Mm. You know, you were part of a ministry at Mill Creek Foursquare for, for many years mm-hmm. and part of uh, Ignite Global Ministries. Mm-hmm. And so you were kind of cruising along, if you will, in ministry, and uh, you've got a growing family, and you're kind of comfortable in your various roles uh, a few years ago. And then uh, what happened? Things started to change in your own heart. Yeah, I mean, August of 2018, we had, I had been associate pastor at the church for seven years. I still had a real estate business. I had a traveling ministry called Ignite Global. And so I had my hands in a lot of things, and our family was was growing and moving along. Everything was was great. I don't know if you'd call it a sweet gig or what, but we just saw the hand of God. Uh, we we experienced a lot of fruit. We were happy, loved our church. But August of last year, we really sensed the Holy Spirit speak to us that uh, this is what I I heard in my heart it was Acts thirteen. It was one through three where the Apostle Paul was in Antioch, and he'd been there for at least 16, 18 months or so, we, we see from church history. But uh, there was a moment in fasting and prayer where the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work which I've called them. And as you know the story in Acts 13, that's the first missionary journey of, of the Apostle Paul. And I'm not paralleling myself to Paul, but it was just a scripture that the Lord put in my heart, and I believe I heard him say, get your heart and your home ready. And I knew we would. there would come a moment, just like that moment, where the Holy Spirit would say, set apart for me, Ben and Bridget, for the work to which I've called them. So I went back um, to discuss this with my wife. We took a bunch of walks and talks during that August, September, October. And my wife was ready in a month. She would say things to me like, well, I think we're, we're remodeling our house for someone else. And I would say, well, that's, I wish I would have known that before we started remodeling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I wouldn't she, have put in such an expensive light fixture. She, you know? <laughs> uh, she was ready to go. Yeah. And that was really confirmation to me. My wife was ready. We thought we were going to plan a church. 
So I communicated that to our senior pastor, Pastor Chris Manginelli. I said, hey, I, I believe the Lord's changed our hearts, and we love you. We love our church. We don't know where. We don't know when. But we believe the Holy Spirit is leading us to do something you know, that would bring God glory in, in, in our home to be lead pastors. And I knew I wasn't supposed to be an itinerant minister at that point, just to travel around and speak at different churches and conferences, that I was really supposed to help build a church in a city where we could see God move upon families and and see a great work and and what God would do in in, a, in an area with the people. So again, we thought we'd plant a church. Uh, Pastor Chris asked me if I would just continue to help him at the church until something shifted, and we knew what that was, and I said yes. So we we were kind of committed for about a year, year and a half to finish some projects at Mill Creek Foursquare, and I was working on my second book. And April 12th, I got a phone call, and it was our district supervisor in the Foursquare Movement, past, uh, Dave Veach. And I, did, I know Dave, but we don't know each other real well. I've never told him. I didn't tell anybody that our hearts had shifted, and that's an important piece of the story. Nobody knew except for, except for Chris and one other friend of ours that's out of state. And P- Dave called me and said, hey, would you be willing to come down to Federal Way and talk to Steve and Mary Shell about Northwest Church? And I don't care who you are, if uh, Steve and Mary Shell want to talk to you at all, you come. <laughs> you come and talk. <laughs> you know, I just I knew who Steve was, but I didn't have a relationship with him. Right. And, but I loved him from afar and appreciated his ministry. And so we came down after we got that phone call, probably two weeks later, maybe maybe a little less. And we spent about three and a half hours talking, Bridget and I, talking to Dave and to Steve and Mary about Northwest Church. And we shared each other's stories, and they wanted to know more about me. I guess Pastor Steve had carried my name in his heart. He had known about me. He had read one, my first book, and he had seen me at a couple different district conferences, teach some seminars, and he resonated with my heart. And I didn't know that. I had no idea that he read my book. I had no idea that he resonated with the things I had said or that he was in on certain seminars and was actually thinking of me as a leader. And, and it was what he told me in our first meeting, that, that my name was in his heart uh, for some time. So that was interesting to know. After our first meeting, I had no idea what was going to happen as a result of that. But they scheduled a second meeting about three weeks later. And during that meeting, it was very clear to us that God was doing something. They were very clear that they felt good about us. We had prayed about it and fasted. We, we believed that it was the Lord's leadership, that we thought we were planning a church, but we didn't realize that this was actually what he was preparing our hearts for. And so Dave said, you should be freaking out because this means that you guys might be moving and all this. I said, we're not freaking out because the Lord spoke to us in August that this was going to happen. We just didn't know where and when. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, I believe it was the first week of June where we had gotten together prior, well, a week prior to that with the business council. And they were all unanimous. It was such a melding of, melting of hearts together that God showed them that we were the right people as well. We never tried to be the right people. We either were or we weren't. And we said that very statement to everyone involved. And it was unanimous from Dave Veach to Stephen Mary to the business council to our hearts that we were the right people and Northwest was the right church. And it's just been an honor and a privilege to come into this role in this transition. That's just the beginnings of how it got brought together with lots of confirmations along the way. Well, you and I, in our previous conversation, in part one of our conversation, we're talking about hearing the voice of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating to me how God does speak, isn't it? And uh, he he speaks to us through, obviously, his word. Mm -hmm. He speaks to us uh, in our hearts. 
uh, through circumstances, mm-hmm. uh, through others, mm-hmm. oftentimes, and uh, encouragement from others. There's just so many different ways that the Lord can speak and then confirm the direction he wants us to go. That's right. It's also important that that um, it's not only what he wants us to do, but who we are. That's right. So oftentimes people are so worried about, well, what does God want me to do next? And the reality is, it's what does God want me to be? That's right. <laughs> and how does he want me to, how does he want to continue to mold my character? Mm-hmm. And then out of that, and your story confirms it, Ben, that out of that then comes opportunities and confirmations that the Lord gives to you. Mm-hmm. And then the, in that then, uh, there doesn't have to be the kinds of stresses that some go through mm-hmm. in these kinds of transitions. Mm-hmm. It's just a confirming word and God, your will be done. Amen. On earth it is as it is in heaven, and I will uh, I'll be obedient to you. That's right. So tell me about some of those confirmations of, that you've received over the course of the last several months. Well, the first one, which I thought was really interesting, we had met with Steve and Mary, and we met with them on a Wednesday, and Bridget and I drove home from Federal Way to Mill Creek. It was about an hour drive, and we prayed, and we said, Lord— we pray that you would show us that that this is what you want us to do, and we obviously one of our one of our prayers was we want you to confirm it to everyone involved. If there's not unity, we're not in, we're not in, in in on this. And so that uh, that was Wednesday, Friday. I was going into the office to do writing. I write on Friday mornings. And I prayed that morning. I said, Lord, I just pray for confirmation. I know maybe that sounds odd, but you're, it looks like you're leading us, but I want confirmation. Would you show me that this is something you're doing? Show me somehow so that I, I don't mess with my kids and the church and all that we were involved in. I walk into my office. I've never had a phone conversation that I can remember, or I never had a contact with anyone from Northwest church, the staff, not, not to my memory. And on my phone at church, which I don't know how they got the number, but I have a separate line just, just to get, not to spiritualize this, but just, this is the reality. I have my own line, direct line at our church and it's not advertised. Not everybody knows it. And there were two messages on my, on my phone voicemails as I walked in right after I prayed that prayer. And the first one was from one of the staff pastors at Northwest church. And this was while pastor Steve was out because he had a triple bypass surgery. Mm-hmm. And the second one was from another pastor at Northwest church, one of their ministry directors. Two of them have left me messages to discuss something with me, something different from each other, and neither of them knew that they had called me. So it wasn't like they both knew that they were calling me. They had independently called and left a message to discuss something with me that they were researching or interested in, and they heard that I might know something about it. And I just thought, is this really a confirmation? Yeah. Like, I And these no, guys had no clue that there's these discussions that they been had going no on. Idea, they had know, no idea you. until June yeah. that I was the person that they were talking, that Pastor Steve and Mary were talking to. Uh-huh. So, And they were independent of each other, called and left a voicemail, ended up having phone conversations. Yeah. So that was the first confirmation that we got, which was pretty amazing, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, maybe 20 minutes after I prayed a prayer, so... Well, let's talk about transitions for a few minutes. There are people uh, listening today that have been uh, involved in church, and they've seen pastoral transitions Mm -hmm. in their own congregations, and uh, some have been good, I'm sure, and some have been uh, struggles. 
And so talk to me about the things that you've seen in this transition that you've said, this is the right thing to happen and this is the yeah. right way to go. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say in, in our transition is that Pastor Steve and Mary have really gone above and beyond. They've gone out of their way to set us up really well. And I can't speak to what everybody has or hasn't done, but I can say to their credit that they have done everything that they can by introducing us to the staff, doing an interview that could be played during the services, him really sharing his observations of my life, the confirmations that he's received from the Lord, and spending time with us to get to know us well enough to say before the congregation, I feel like these are the, this is the right couple and this is the right church in this season for this to happen. And uh, Steve, behind the scenes, there are so many details that he has gone far above and beyond what I think many do to um, set me up well. And I, I mean, honestly, I just honor him for that because I think it's uncommon. I think so. I, again, I haven't gone through it before, but I want to say that first. I mean, and I would also say, like, uh, I think it's really the heart, you know, I mean, people might have a good strategy, but if it's really not in their heart, then it eventually comes out. My heart is to honor Stephen Mary. I genuinely love them. I genuinely like them. And I'm honored to follow them. And it comes out in my preaching. It comes out during our services as we've had our installation service. And prior to that, our introduction, our interview. It's my heart. I, I, I didn't have a special relationship with him and Mary. I didn't have a special relationship with our district supervisor. And everyone around here knows that. So our hearts are just so together and so for them and their hearts are so for us. I think it's a heart thing sometimes. I mean, too many try to strategize these really good transitions, but they don't, maybe they don't realize in that, in those moments that is, is, is the heart right? Is this honor disingenuine or genuine? And, and you can tell, I think people have just said it to us all around. We can tell that you guys love Steve and Mary and me and Bridget do. So you first have Steve and Mary who have honored us, and then you have Bridget and I, and we've sought to honor them. And I think that's a massive key to how transition should probably go. At least I'm learning that right now in this season, and and the congregation says that to us pretty regularly. A lot of, lot of honor, and so, and I just bring him up, you know, I'm not trying to do away with Pastor Steve Shell and his legacy. He and Mary and this team has, have built a strong and thorough foundation and while I don't want to be him, I certainly want to be like him. And I think that that speaks to the man that he is and the pastor that he's been. And, uh, and it's just been honestly the, one of the greatest blessings of my life to follow somebody that has done, uh, has lived their life for the glory of God. Ben, you've said uh, a couple of times during uh, our interview that you use the term fasting and prayer. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that, of how fasting and prayer helps to set your heart in a right position. We've practiced fasting and prayer for, for some time now. Every year I do a 21-day fast. I've led our previous church into it. We called it Dedicate, which is to dedicate the new year to the Lord. But it's also a regular practice. I mean, obviously I pray every day, but fasting is about focusing to me. I've never looked at it as twisting God's arm to get what I want, but rather it's to clear out the clutter and to pay more attention to the voice of God in my life. Instead of saying, here's what I want, it's to say, God, what do you want? And my ears are open. My eyes are open. I'm looking for, I'm expecting for you to speak to me, and I'm making myself available to you. So when I fast, I just, 
obviously I, I go without food, whether it's a whole day or whatever, or, or maybe a few days, but I make sure to spend more time in prayer. It's not just going without food. It's focusing on my relationship with God. And I journal every day. So I'm journaling things that I'm hearing. I'm journaling any revelation I have in the word. And sometimes I don't hear the voice of God during that time, but but as a result of that time of fasting and prayer, it might be three, four, five days later, a week later, I, I my hearing becomes more clear, and that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm shutting out the media. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, right? He said, "When you pray, go into your go into your secret place, go into your that closet. You shut the door behind you, so you're you're shutting out the typical noise that's going on in life. We all have that. So you, you shut the door behind you and pray to your father who is in secret. He will reward you openly. So there's this idea of going into being alone with God, focusing and listening also, not just speaking, and then shutting out the noise of the world or noise of the minutia of life. That's what I, I've, I've sought to practice that regularly. I preach on it regularly. People that know me know that, but it's part of hearing the voice of God. Well, that is important. I th- uh, and of course, you're talking to a radio guy here, but I, <laughs> I encouraged uh, people to turn off the radio, turn mm-hmm. off the TV, shut off the cell phone. After this interview, of after, course. After yeah. this interview, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I have to do that myself. Yeah. There are times if I'm driving or whatever, I, and I just, I just want to settle my mind as best as I can on Amen. I-5 going northbound in traffic. But but just turn off the radio, turn mm. off those things, and begin to listen to the still small voice of the of the Lord in mm-hmm. in my heart. And then, then obviously, not only when I'm driving, but at other times where I just may sit on the sofa and stare out the window, mm. and 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 think about the things of the Lord and His desires uh, to work in my heart and my character and all of that sort of thing. We're speaking with Ben Dixon. He's a senior pastor at uh, Northwest Church here in Federal Way. If you want to know more about Northwest Church, you can go to the website. It's NWC, that's Northwest Church, NWC, foursquare.org. Ben, we've got about five minutes left. It's hard for the senior pastor who's transitioning out and for the new pastor coming in, but it's also hard on the congregation because they don't know who you are. Absolutely. They don't know what you're going to, how you're going to preach. They don't know if they're going to like you or not. And so talk to me about some of those conversations you've had with, with the congregation as, as you've begin to integrate your life and your family into this work. Absolutely. Um, Well, the first thing, I, I, I wanted to say that's been great about our transition is that I do have a few books out and I do have about 200 messages online. So that's been nice. I don't know what it was like maybe in days gone by where people had no clue if they could resonate with the incoming pastor, but it was nice to have all of that out there so people could really get to know me a, a lot better prior to being here. And I, I heard that a lot from our congregation. Like I've been watching you, I've been listening to you, I've been reading your book. So that was great. In fact, during our installation service, I gave 800 copies of my new book away to our congregation. I just wanted to say, hey, this will help you get to know who I am and how I write and my heart and also some of the emphasis of my ministry. So it's nice to have the congregation reading the book and saying, hey, I really appreciate that. But um, I mean, I've had so many conversations with members of Northwest Church and a lot of them miss Steve and they miss Mary. 
And when they tell me that, they say, I really miss Steve. The first thing I say is me too. (laughs) Even though he wasn't my pastor, I can, I can so appreciate and understand why we would, why anybody would miss him as I spend time with him every, every week, or I have spent time with him every week since, um, these conversations have began. Um, I, I can understand that. I mean, we resonate with a pastor. We come under their ministry. Um, we become church. We become family for a reason. You, you love each other. So that doesn't stop with me coming in. And I respect and I honor that. And I think they should know that. They want to know that. And I let everyone know. I miss him too. He's 71. He's got a new assignment. He's, he's in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we're praying for him. But we're staying connected. It, it's not to say that he can't, he can't or shouldn't come back. I want him and Mary to feel like this is home for them when they're in Seattle. I want them to be here. It's up to them, but I want them to be here. I want him to still preach. I want him to still lead Israel trips if he wants to. To me, it's family. And I think that's the sentiment of Northwest Church. It's nothing that's, that will not change here. And so I honor their ministry. It's a part of our legacy as a church. And Northwest Church has appreciated me sharing that openly, publicly, from the stage. And I think that, uh, and it's my heart. It's my heart. Yeah. And, and, and so it's been, it's been a great blessing to hear about how each, the members here have honored uh, his teaching ministry. Uh, and, and, I, and I hope. I hope that I'm 39. He started here at 42. I always tell everybody, well, I got three years to catch up to where he started. (laughs) So give me three years of grace. Yeah. Well, I also think, as I've mentioned earlier, that there are people listening that have gone through a transition in their own congregation, and they may have struggled with that and may still be struggling Mm -hmm. with that. And I would just love for you to address here in the final minute and a half how can a person pray for their pastor mm-hmm. and for maybe it's a new pastor coming in? How can they be an effective person in, in that transition for their church? It's a great question. I, I think what I could say is just that um, is to remember that we're all people and, and the incoming pastor has feelings, family, issues, things they're walking through, emotions, and to remember that, that we're all in this together and nobody really knows how to do transition. It's, it's like a new coat, you know, does it fit right? You just, it's one of those things where you just got to walk it out together. So I do encourage people, pray for your pastor, ask them what they need. Hey, is there anything I can do? Is there any way I can pray? Um, I've just appreciated the encouragements. People have written me letters, emails, messages. I've gotten over a hundred messages from church members at Northwest Church. Mm-hmm. I can't say enough about them. Every encouragement has mattered. Every invitation has mattered. Um, Every dinner, every lunch, every coffee visit has mattered. Sharing hearts. People have asked me how they can pray. And I I just would encourage everyone to remember we're all walking through the transition, including the incoming pastor. And so grieving what was is important. Um, But also learning how in that tension to celebrate what is coming. Transition is just part of life. And we have to realize that. And as we grieve, we also celebrate and to live in the tension and to try to do that the best we can. You've been listening to the story of Ben Dixon. Ben, you've got two books. One is called Hearing God, and the other is Prophesy, Releasing God's Voice. If someone's interested in getting these books, can they go on Amazon? They can go on Amazon. They can go on bendixon.org. Either way, you can, you can get the books there, and they can always email our church office, and we'll send you the ebook for free. 
If you want to see some of the transitional videos, if you will, that were presented at uh, Northwest Church, you can do that. There's still some available on the website, I think, on uh, nwc.foursquare.org, and those, I'm sure, will be up for a little while longer, and then you'll be moving on to other things. But, Ben, I want to thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. I pray that the Lord will give you fruitful ministry in the coming days, the coming months, the coming years. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. God bless you. God bless you. You've been listening to this 820 AM, The Word, special Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, The Word, call Chuck Olmstead, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.